the Ask School Leaders Reading Podcast with Jeff Barton. My name's Sarah Ford and I'm Deputy Director of Policy at ASCL. And Sarah, it's not just that you're a keen reader, you also collect books in fact, don't you? I do. Um, I'm very much of the mindset that if a book's worth reading, it's worth owning. I'm the same, which is, I mean, I know this isn't about me, but my dad was a librarian, so it's slightly awkward that I don't... I don't want to read books that other people have touched. I want to read my own copies of them. I'm obsessive about it. Yeah, I was a huge um, user of libraries as a child. Um, and it was always heartbreaking when you had to take those books back um, for me. Yes. So, yes, it uh, was. It was like losing losing a good friend. OK, so we're talking about three books. Um, what What's your first one? My first one is actually Image Music Text by Roland Barthes. Um, and I've picked that book specifically because of one of the essays in that book, which is Death of the Author. Um, and that essay really changed for me the way that I approached and read literature. Um, and, and so it's a really important essay for me, and, and therefore the book is really important to me. And when you say it changed the way you read literature, what you suddenly became... Because he was the kind of first of the post-structuralists or something, if I remember correctly, wasn't he? Yeah, so so the essay, um, The Death of the Author, and I'm, I'm going to summarise this terribly, I'm sure, um, but it dismantles the traditional way a critic reviews a book, um, for instance. I mean, one of the quotes in the essay is that the explanation of a work is always sought in the man or woman who produced it um, through traditional critical literature, uh, critical reviews. And uh, what Bart does in The Death of the Author is to say, you know, it's not about the fact that if you understand the man, the woman, then you understand the work um, so that question that you're traditionally asked in in a class or book clubs really about what do you think the author was trying to say but says it is irrelevant um, he says you need to remove the author um, and then you know claim the text yourself that the, the, the power the ownership should be with the reader and therefore each text each um, each book has its own multi-layered ways of interpretation and each of them is right because that is what you as the reader have taken from it and you're, and you're not constrained by thinking well but what did the author mean yeah it's very fashionable when i was reading english at university that and of course what it does is legitimize all kinds of different interpretations and readings of novels, some of them utterly bizarre. And there were certainly lecturers at university who, who you know, were essentially paid to outrage with their provocative interpretations of novels and poetry uh, based on, I think, probably what Barth and others had um, kind of introduced as part of the way of, of reading texts. Yes, and, um, you know, but I think it's really empowering... Um, as an individual, because I think people can sometimes feel um, overwhelmed by um, a book um, about, you know, what they're supposed to take from it. Um, and I actually, you know, I, I read that essay um, in, in the mid 80s, but it really did revolutionise that actually it was OK for me to t- take something from it that somebody else hadn't. Yeah. Um, and that didn't need to be something, you know, revolutional um, or or particularly original, um, but it was still valid. Um, and I found that really um, empowering as a reader. Great. Great to be reminded of that. OK, and your second choice, is that non-fiction as well? Um, well, I really struggled. I knew that my second choice would have to be something by George Orwell. Um, <laughs> again, I think I read everything George Orwell wrote um, in the 80s. and It really helped me structure my own um, political, the small p, thinking. Um, I've really struggled to sort of say, you know, which one it would be in. And, and 
the road to Wigan Pier was was my very close second because of its exploration of social con uh, conscience. And I, I, you know, it's an exceptional book, um, and I love the way that um, it's about having you know the courage to stand up for what is right, and that's something that I feel really passionate about. Um, you know, that sense of personal courage I think is so important as you go through life, um, and I'm always reminded of that poem. You know, first they came, uh, which I, I, I always find. A, very strong um, poem but if I was only able to pick one or it would have to be Animal Farm um, it's so tightly written um, you know obviously it shows how um, power and absolute power can corrupt um, but it's tightness um, it's simplicity deceptive simplicity I think makes it um, an absolute masterpiece. I agree it's interesting because when he if I remember correctly when he presented that to publishers publishers were in disbelief at that and, and nobody thought that it would sell and yet it's got this kind of mythical quality in fact I think he calls it a fable isn't it Animal Farm a fable yeah I think I think the original working title was Animal Farm a fairy tale um, ah, and, yes, right. um, and publishers were uh, were really reluctant to go to go down that route um, and, and it's it subsequently had you know, subtitles like a satirical tale etc yeah um, wonderful wonderful but it is it, it I know it's not a particularly original choice um, but it's just brilliant, and um, and I had to have Orwell in there. And I think it's one of those books on on the list as a, a former English teacher of, of books I would want every child to have read by the time they leave school. And I used to, you know, I spent many years teaching and reteaching Animal Farm, and it, it, it's magic caught them every time, really. And it also, it's not just magic; it's it's got a kind of grim, relentless power, hasn't it, underpinning the whole thing. It really has, um, you know, it, and, and in the true tradition of a fairy tale, actually, because yeah. fairy tales are traditionally, yeah. you, know, not, you know, they're instructional, they're dark, um, you know, yeah. they warn you of the dangers. Um, and, and I think actually its original title, you know, a fairy tale, it, it was very apt in that traditional um, fairy tale genre. Absolutely. And so what's your final choice? My final choice, um, I mean, as you said, I am a, a collector of books. I am actually an avid adult reader and collector of children's books. So um, I had to have a children's title in there. Um, you know, great children's writing, like Animal Farm, actually um, relies on that tightness of language. Um, and it's something which, you know, many adult uh, write, writers for adults need to, to do well to adopt. And um, I read a quote some time ago by Eric Carl, and he said, you know, if you're a novelist, you start out with a 20-word idea and you work at it and you wind up with a 200,000 uh, word novel. We picture book people um, start out with 200,000 words and we reduce it to 20. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that actually this is about succinctness of writing. Um, and that's such a skill and one that actually as a, you know, a policy officer in education for, for, for more years than I want to count, but certainly, you know, well into my second decade, you know, that, that ability to convey complex and detailed information in a succinct way is a real skill that means constant development and, and good children's authors are excellent at it. Um, and the, the, the most, you know, skilled at it has to be A.A. Milne and his two Winnie the Pooh books. Um, I always feel a little awkward about Winnie the Pooh sometimes because of the... Um, saccharine Disneyfication that Pooh has undergone but if you go back to the original books uh, Winnie the Pooh and the House of Pooh Corner they are perfect examples of a complete narrative in short chapters um, and my final choice would therefore have to be the House of Pooh Corner. Oh I think that's a wonderful choice and I totally agree my heart sank when we knew that Disney was going to get it and it, it changed our whole conception of those lovely 
wa charming watercolours, understated. Um, uh, I think that's a fantastic choice. And, you know, just occasionally on Twitter, I'll put a Winnie the Pooh quote. And it just gets retweeted and retweeted. There's something kind of elemental in the language as well as in the in the those wonderful pictures as well. Yeah, I mean, talking about that language, the closing lines. The reason I, it's House at Pooh Corner and not Winnie the Pooh is is twofold, really. I mean, firstly, we get Tigger in the House at Pooh Corner, and uh, who wouldn't want a book with Tigger in it? But also, it goes through in a really um, understated way. You know, the closing down of that early, early part of your childhood. You know. Christopher Robin grows up, you know, he's not a Peter Pan character, you know, he, he is he is leaving the, the sort of nursery world, if you like, and that, that poignancy um, is, is summed up in those closing lines, which, if I may um, just read from them, is wherever they go and whatever happens to them on the way, in that enchanted place on the top of the forest, a little boy and his bear will always be playing. And I'm just moved constantly yeah, by that, I, I about that. Moving on, and it reminds me of the quote of um, it's attributed, I think, to St. Francis Xavier, which is, Give me the child until you're seven, and I'll give you the man. Yeah. And, and we see that through the Seven Up series. Uh, we take our early experiences with us, and that includes our reading experiences. So, for me, children's literature is, in so many ways, the most important genre. Uh, we have to get that right for our children because that's what they take with them. And we're living through a golden age of children's literature, and that's why it's so frustrating that you see kind of celebrity authors muscling into it, as if anybody can churn out a, a children's book. But the really great children's books and those authors absolutely know their audience, and they tell stories which, as you say, kind of define the, the adults we become. I, I completely get that. And that's my three choices. I'm, I, as I said, not necessarily all original choices, um, but they are. You, you know, you are the brief was. You know, what has shaped me as an adult, mm. and um, and Wonderful. and those three were definitely there. Sarah Ford, thank you. ASCL Askell.